Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860 The Answer and WEEU back in Pennsylvania in the Golf News Network. I'm JT, your host. Boy, got that out quick. Uh, We'd like to thank the folks over at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and Scott White and his crew down at Ben Hogan Golf. Check out Ben Hogan Golf online at benhogangolf.com. Um, doing, I've, I've been playing Ben Hogan clubs now for about a year and I really like them. So I can tell you that. Well, he's back. Our main man from the golf television world and world famous author. Now Keith Herschelland is with us today. Hey Keith, how are you? I'm doing great, Jeff. It's so good to be with you again. And, uh, I've been, I've been listening to your, to your shows over the past, you know, few weeks and, and been loving, loving your conversations with everybody, Lisa and Kay and. Oh and yeah, all the folks. It's it's been great fun. Yeah, it has. They're and they're great. And I thank you for helping me. Uh, oh, get, no worries. Get in contact with those folks. So, um, as I was telling Keith off the air before we started hit record here, uh, I reached out to a bunch of my golf buddies, and um, some of them follow him on Twitter and stuff. And so they had some questions. <laughs> I've got I've got forty three pages here for you, Keith. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, but I wanted to talk straight away about the Ryder cup. We just finished that, uh, great victory for the American side. And, um, I think we've got new blood coming up. And of course that was kind of worn out by the commentators, but it, I think it is true. We've got a great young group of players that are sharks, you know, they play for blood really. And. Uh, they're not tired, and I think it looked great, but I wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, um, I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the U.S. team is, is is fantastically positioned, at least you would think so on paper, for, you know, the next the next handful or few or handful of Ryder Cups in terms of uh, if you just look at the rosters, you know, it's clear that, you know, there were a number of players on the European side that that probably have played in their last match. Sure. Um, whereas the number of the American, you know, you look at those those rookies on the American side, you think, oh my gosh, I mean, those guys are going to be in Ryder Cups for the next ten years. So, um, I agree with you. Uh, I just, you know, I mean, I, I have thoughts about the broadcast, and you know, having yeah. been away from it um, for the last, you know, obviously eight years, seven or eight years. Um, sure. You know, it's just, it's, it's getting hard. I don't know if it's just me or if it's the presentation, but it just seems to get harder and harder for me to enjoy golf on television these days. Um, and, you know, I know, if, if, and, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of pushback on 
on social media, I right. saw from viewers, especially with the commercial load and things like that. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, I never was lucky enough to produce a Ryder Cup, but I was in the truck and produced a number of Solheim Cups. And it's the same, you know, it's the same format, it's sure. the same thing. And what I, I just, I think my main, I have two main, you know, main kind of takeaways from it. One is I just, I think it's a, a, a huge fail on the part of the sales teams from both the PGA of America and NBC to not figure out a way to do what Rolex has done for the USGA and Rolex did for an hour or so at the Ryder Cup in terms of just no commercials, mm -hmm. but mention Rolex, have the Rolex logo up on the screen. I mean, soccer does it, obviously other sports do it. Um, I think they, you know, I think we have to figure out a way to not have uh, just the traditional way of presenting commercials on, um, on a broadcast like that. Uh, you know, I think that obviously they want to monetize everything they can. I just don't think we're being, they're being creative in the way they're presenting options for their sponsors. Right. Um, that's one thing. I don't know if you want to jump in and chat about that or not, or you want me to go on to my second thing. Well, let's, <laughs> let's stop right there for that and talk about that for a second. Cause one of the questions from my buddy, Dave, who lives, lives back in um, South Dakota uh, he said Twitter and Facebook exploded this past week with all the commercials during the Ryder Cup. Watch two shots commercial. Watch two shots commercial. Huge diff disappointment. Why do they need to do it that way? Why didn't they change when uh, so many people complained? He said, I stopped watching and a lot of other people did too. So I, that goes right yeah. to what you're saying. And, it, you know, the Masters too, yeah. uh, you know, they come in and say, we're presenting the commercial free Sunday or whatever, yep. whatever it is. Um, and those sponsors pay a premium just to kind of get the, you know, the intro and the, uh, the outro and their name mentioned and that type of thing. And they certainly see at a lot of these tournaments enough logos around the course from, yep. from the different sponsors. So, I mean, I'm in that business. You're in that business. You were in that business, but I just, I agree with you. I just think it's, they just hammer, hammer, hammer. And I know they're making yep. money on it because it's such a one-off deal every couple of years, Ryder cup, Solheim president's cup, those types of things, but there's gotta be a better way. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not that creative, I guess, Keith, but I know there's gotta be a better way to do that. Well, and, and there is a better way. I mean, there's a blueprint for it. Like you said, the masters, the players, uh, mm -hmm. USDA's presentation of a number of their championships. Um, you know, but I just, I, I don't know if it's, it's tied to previous contract obligations in terms of, you know, the way the thing is structured. I don't know if it's tied to um, maybe just a, a, a stuck in the mud uh, group of salespeople or, or, you know, at, at both places. Um, it's, it's just, there is a better way. And um, I think we need to get there because the other thing that happens and, you know, it, it just drives me, it drove me nuts during the Olympics. It drives, it drove me nuts during the Ryder cup. 
um, just the the repetition of the commercial. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're going to if you know going in that you're going to have 30 Rolex. And I shouldn't say Rolex because they actually did something different, but 30 BMW commercials. Right. In your broadcast, make a few different commercials, please. It's like seeing the same ad over and over and over again it doubles the infuriation <laughs> meter on my part yeah. because you're not just going away from the golf to show a commercial. You're going away from the golf to show the same commercial over and over and over again. So, you know, I've talked to folks that, you know, I've, I've said the same thing to some folks I know over at DraftKings because they're, you know, yeah, they're on TV everywhere now. And I'm seeing this Martin Grammatica commercial like six thousand times. Right. And it's it's like as soon as it comes on, I I either tune out or change the channel because it's just I got it. I don't want to see it anymore. So there, you know, it's like I just think going forward. I think those guys at NBC are smart. I mean, oh, they're sure. smart, and they you know they listen to the viewers and they know you know they can't avoid the the feedback on social media. And you know I would be shocked beyond belief if it was the same kind of format as we go uh, two years, two years hence for the Ryder Cup the next time. Yeah, I would. <clears throat> gosh, excuse me, Keith. Um, I know it, it's no different in my world here in radio when you've got the same uh, Ford commercial, you know, four times yeah. during the hour. Uh, if you've yeah. got the same local um supermarket chain whatever it is it doesn't matter and you get that and like when i was watching Ryder cup and i and i enjoy that format of play i really enjoy it i, I watch them i love to watch them going after each other and all that stuff but like you said when you would see the bmw commercial or you know something like i just hit mute or i'd get up and leave yep. and come back in two or three minutes and see if they were you know back um doing live stuff right. on the course right because it's just uh, a little bit of that goes a long way. And, and I know the old model, little inside baseball here, folks, the old model, as far as advertising was repetition, repetition, repetition. Now with all the creative stuff we have, the softwares, the, the film, the audio, we can make anything, make it really unique. Maybe if you only ran it twice during the broadcast, it would really stick out in people's mind. Call me crazy, yeah. but that's it. You know, we'll be right back. Uh, we're talking with Keith Hirschland, and we'll be right back after this on Grilling at the Green. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Today we're talking with Keith Hirschland, uh, former big-time producer at the Golf Channel and now a award-winning writer. We'd like to thank the folks over at Gunter Wilhelm Knives for their unmatched quality, comfort, and efficiency in your kitchen. That's online at GunterWilhelm.com. Also, our folks here on the West Coast know about Langdon Farms and their prime rib specials every Friday night. Check those out right off of I-5 at the Aurora exit there. You can check out us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and all that stuff. And if you want to email me, it's just info at grillingatthegreen.net. So let's get back and talk with 
Heath Herschelin some more. I'm sorry I cut you off that last segment, but like I said, no I wasn't paying attention to the time. <laughs> you know, kind of like example of what the producer in the truck goes through. Yep. Like, oh my god, I got to get a break in. This is a 12 minute segment. I should have taken a break by now. Yep, yep. They they do that. Um, yeah. You were talking about some <clears throat> some different things and how you when you guys were doing the Solheim Cup, you talked about front loading the commercials and stuff. And and I think you're right as as far as the I mean it's it's nice to get everybody introduced at the first tee and they wave to the crowd and then if you're in Europe they boo the Americans and if you're in Whistling Straits <laughs> they boo the Europeans and yeah that's all part of the drama but it gets really redundant after about the third team on the tee box yeah um, and usually the drama comes correct me if I'm wrong but the drama comes on the last you know, twosomes or foursomes out there uh, that are in the lineup because that's where the matches are decided. Uh, the, right. You know, the whole thing is decided right there. So um, I'm with you on that because there's, you know, if you've gotten, if you've gotten three teams or uh, three matches off the first tee, they've only played through one green, you know, that's right. Like that. So. Or two. Yeah. Or two. two at the most. Yeah. So, you know, the, the match is not going to be decided in the first two or three holes. That's, you know, and that's my point. So, you know, and I, obviously there are, there are not, you know, can't miss, don't miss opportunities. Like you want to be there on the first tee when Bryson DeChambeau is introduced. Sure. Cause you want to see what the reaction is for that, but I'm not sure you need to be there when Daniel Berger and Xander Shoffley are introduced. So, no. you know, that's, it's kind of, you know, we've got, they've, we've, we as golf, uh, producers have fallen into this trap that it's it's important to show every first tee shot of every match and i would i would push back on that a little bit the other thing that i think they've gotten a little bit lazy on and um is this this playing through concept and uh pretending that that's still covering the event yeah um you know there's there's just it's impossible for your eye to pay attention to two things on the screen at the same time. You're either going to be watching one or the other. You can mm. pretend that you can really pay attention to both, but I don't think it's humanly possible. And I think they've, you know, I know it's, you know, uh, uh, for me, the concept seemed like a, a brilliant one in the beginning, um, you know, but I think that they've gone, it's gone a little bit too far on the spectrum in terms of, well, we showed that shot. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, you did, but it was kind of in a little box in one side of my screen. And, you know, there was something else on the screen at the same time. So, um, you know, I don't know the answer to that because I do think it's a good concept. Um, I think that it works and sports, you know, it's almost essential for sports that don't have natural breaks, that don't have, you know, natural TV timeouts sure. or end of innings or end of quarters or anything like that. So, you know, there's, I, but I do think that, you know, like anything else, it's been around now for a handful of years. And I think you get a little, you get a little complacent or you get a little lazy on the TV side um, in terms of thinking about how to utilize things like that. And I will add one more thing. Sure. If you'll indulge yeah. me. Sure. There are too many darn announcers on this broadcast. Um, I, this, the, the one thing that drove me crazy and, you know, the announcer, <laughs> the announcer folks that have worked with me in the past will find this not surprising when I say there's too many announcers on the broadcast, but, um, to have two or three different teams of presenters, host analysts, 
um, to me is counterproductive because the guys that talk to me for the last three hours go away. And then a new couple of guys come in to talk to me for the next three hours and say almost the exact same thing that the guys who just talked to me say. So, you know, and I don't blame them. I mean, Paul Azinger wants to get his thoughts out there and they may be slightly different than Nick Faldo, but for the most part, they're saying the same thing. Right. So I know it's a drain, especially on long broadcasts to have um, the same team do it, but I think it would present for a better viewing experience. And if you're going to take those extra announcers, you don't need a whole announcer for the Solheim Cup or the Ryder Cup. You don't need another guy in the booth. What you need is more people on the ground. Mm-hmm. So take all those folks that maybe you were going to put in play for the broadcast and have them go follow a match. And, um, you know, that, that would be, if I were, you know, if I were king of the golf world for, for one week doing a Ryder cup, I would, uh, that's one of the things that I would do. Keep the same team in the booth the whole time, get everybody else out on the golf course, uh, to spread the wealth around. Well, I, th- I think that's a, that's a good idea. And, uh, to go back to something, I think that split screen playing through deal, I think that actually works pretty well on the streaming aspect of this now, because, yeah. you know, I've got, I don't know, I'm in your office, but I've got three monitors in my office because I move stuff from screen to screen. So I'm, I'm kind of accustomed to that and, and looking, trying to look at two screens at different times. And if you, you know, if you're streaming and it's only on one stream uh, screen, excuse me, it, it it'll probably go over easier. But on television, like you said, it becomes annoying to me because I really want to watch, uh, you know, Pat Cantley make this putt. But then right. I got Buick running in circles over here or something, you know, right. and it's it's um, but I, I think on the streaming stuff, they can be m- more creative with that because. Uh, we get bombarded with crap all day long from our computers, yeah. you know. And yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, but then nobody called me and asked me, so I figured I'd just lay that on you, and <laughs> and and you know we'd go from there because it's well, uh, they didn't call and ask me either. So oh, okay, okay. Well, this time, look, listen, Keith. This time we we are coming up to a break, and I don't want to okay. make David completely crazy. Uh, more than he already is. Good guy, though. Um, but Keith and I are going to be back. Keith Hirschland. We're going to talk a little more about the Ryder Cup and TV production. We're also going to be talking about his books. They're great books. Um, and so please stay with us. We'll be right back on here at Grilling at the Green. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at BenHoganGolf.com. Well, I had just got out on the county prison. Welcome back here to Grilling at the Green on AM860, The Answer, and WEEU back in Pennsylvania and the Golf News Network. I'm JT, and today we're talking with my buddy Keith Hirschland. Um, also like to thank the folks again at Painted Hills Natural Beef. I don't want to leave them out because it's such a good product. Uh, if you can find it online or at a store near you, 
please do. It's PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com and Ben Hogan Golf Tour Quality Clubs at factory direct prices. That's BenHoganGolf.com. Now, see how quick those were? In radio, we can do commercials <laughs> a lot faster than, than we can on TV. You know, just zoom and they're gone um, like that. So, man, there's so many things I want to I want to talk to you about, but I want to get in a couple of more questions from uh, some of my golf buddies. One of them, sure. we're going to go back um, here to the Ryder Cup for a second. And it says, it seems like the media gave, um, this is from Jay. It seems like the media gave the appropriate amount of time to off-course storylines and tried to steer the attention towards the competition. Do you think that contributed to uh, more people watching? Oh, that was Matt that wrote this in. Sorry, Matt. Um, I think they did some nice, you know, story, sidebar stories and stuff there. Um, it's got to be a tough decision, though, of how to blend those into the broadcast and when to put them in. Yeah, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm, count me in the group of, of probably a few number of golf producers. Actually, I mean, that may not be true. Maybe more of us than I think that hated going away from the action to yeah. to tell a story. Uh, you know, and especially it, it was a little bit different when I was working with the ESPN group because you know that those that three hour window or that two and a half hour window on ESPN was the only. Um, kind of time that you could tell all of the golf stories, whether it was the, you know, the, the human interest story or, sure. or the news story or the action. Um, whereas when I was at golf channel, I was always, you know, pounding my fist on the table saying, <laughs> you know, this is when we're on the air for live tournament coverage, we're doing live tournament coverage. You have, you know, 20 hours in the day to tell all the stories you want to tell. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know, I always kind of wished that we had fewer of those. I understood that it's like, you know, the I understood the argument. It's like you're doing the Nike buy.com nationwide, you know, corn ferry tour. Sure. We need to get to know these guys. We need to find, have a rooting interest for these guys. We need to have a story about these guys to make us root for them. You know, and I, under, I understood that concept. But at the same time, I thought, well, then, you know, have a have a nationwide tour segment in Gulf Central and tell the story of that guy sure. as opposed to never talking about nation, my tour on golf central. Um, but you know, I think that, you know, when you get, when you get down to it, um, you know, the, the rich learners of the world, uh, the Jimmy Roberts of the world are, uh, storytellers sure. and they want to tell stories. And I, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, rich is one of the best in the world at it. So, um, you know, but the the sports fan in me would rather not see that during the broadcast of a of a tournament. I just want to see golf action. Maybe it should be before the tournament. You know, right? It's something like that. Um, okay, so this leads me to a question uh, from Jay. He said, "He says I think the big question for Keith is what." We're we're getting off the Ryder Cup here, by the way. What did your wife say when you told her you were going to quit ESPN and take a chance on Golf Channel? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> something we can say on the air, or is it? Um, you know that was a that was an interesting time in my in my personal life. Sure. Um, and as I you know, and I said I appreciate the question. Um, <laughs> and I think back on it now and, you know, my gosh, uh, I just, even though, um, 
Kathy and I have long, long since divorced. Um, you know, I just, I look back and just, um, I, I have nothing but uh, the utmost praise and respect for uh, what she did raising two children sure. um, while I was basically, you know, running around the country, uh, not, um, not present for 30 weeks every year right. and moving, you know, that, that to, I promise I'm going to get to the to answer the question, but we had just, I had only been, we had only been in connect for nine months. Right. I had moved her and our two babies from Los Angeles to Connecticut in January of that year in 1994. And then come September, October of 1994, I go back in and say, guess what? We're moving. Uh, I'm up, I'm uprooting the family again to chase my dream. And, um, you know, she loved Connecticut. She had family in Connecticut. She, uh, you know, was, was just, I mean, she could have lived in Connecticut for the rest of our lives. And, you know, this was, I'm going to, we're taking a chance on, you know, on this, this flyer that a 24 hour, seven day a week, 365 day a year, uh, network devoted is going to work. Right. Um, a couple things made it okay. One was that we were moving to Orlando, Florida, which was sunny and nice and beautiful. And sure. we had two young kids and theme parks and, and fun and, and all that good stuff. And the second thing was, um, thanks to the folks at golf channel, Mike Whalen and, and Bob Greenway and Joe Gibbs, um, I was going to be making, you know, four or five times more money than, than I was making up in Connecticut. So, um, that helped. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that helped the situation. But to say that she was thrilled about it, I'd be lying. Um, I, I, you know, can't thank her enough for agreeing to do it. Um, but uh, when I went in and actually said that, um, you know, I'm going to go down and, and interview for this job in Orlando, Florida for the Golf Channel, um, uh, it, it wasn't, oh, my God, I'm so excited. The reaction wasn't, oh, my, that's going to be so much fun. I'll go, you know, I hope you get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave that at that. Um, a, a follow-up to that was, uh, was there a difference in the vibe uh, from his early days at ESPN versus the early days at the Golf Channel? Uh, man, yes. I mean, the short answer is yes. Uh and and mostly because um, the the vibe at ESPN was you know I mean this behemoth even then sure. back in you know in the early nineties late late eighties early nineties um, so it was a you know it was an established you know yeah. kind of corporate corporate entity uh, that our golf our ESPN golf family um, the vibe wasn't a whole lot different than the golf channel golf family. Cause it was small and, and you know, it was, you know, we were, you know, joined at the hip and going out to dinner every night and, sure. and everybody enjoyed being around everybody. And, and it was a, you know, this kind of this tight knit group that was a, a spinoff or a satellite of the mothership. Uh, we didn't really have to deal with the folks when I was doing the ESPN golf, uh, we didn't really have to deal with the folks in Bristol. You know, we were kind of out on our own, you know, our own little world and, right. and doing our own thing. So that was a lot the same as Golf Channel. But the vibe at Golf Channel was that, um, you know, it was this, there, there were, you know, a couple hundred people in the same boat. You know, every single one of those folks that went to work at the Golf Channel in late 94 and early 1995 
you know, we're, we're taking a flyer. We're putting their careers on the line. We're facing, um, you know, family and friends and colleagues that told them they were crazy. Um, so it was kind of a, you know, we were all in the, that, that, you know, we're going to make this thing work Fox all together. So, um, that, that, that family, that golf channel group, that early golf channel group, um, and for the first, you know, handful to almost 10 years, of my life at golf channel was a, we're all in this together and, yeah. and, you know, a huge family. And, and, you know, I made friends, I've made friends and, and I have colleagues that uh, I worked with at golf channel that, you know, have become my best friends in the world. And, and, um, you know, we still have that common bond of, you know, we made this thing that people said it was never going to work, work. Yep. You sure did. Um, we got to take another break. We're going to be back with Keith Hirschland. Right after this, don't go away. This is Bruce Furman. I'm the uh, director of instruction out at Langdon Farms Golf Club. And today's tip is just a how to start your backswing. Most pros have what we call a forward press. This is usually done with their body rather than their hands, although sometimes people do use a hand press, but they kick their right knee in or they lift their right heel and set it back down, or sometimes they have a slight press into their left leg. And then the takeaway is a movement to the right. And you'll see actually that, and you have to look at it on video to see this, but you'll actually see the pros actually move slightly before they even start the club back. So they move to the right and then let the rotation happen. And you, it, it's a subtle move and you have to be careful not to sway. You got to keep your right hip inside your right foot. But develop a little forward press and then move off the ball to the right to start your swing. And I think you'll play better. Please stay with us. We'll be right back on here at Grilling at the Green. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to uh, Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, and today we're talking with Keith Herschelin, former uh, producer at Golf Channel for the live tournaments, especially the LPGA tournaments and stuff, but also an award-winning writer. So I promised I would talk in the regular show, not just the after hours, about the books. <laughs> so <clears throat> you're a solo medalist uh, for the New Apple Awards for uh, your first fiction novel, which was Big Files. And now you've got uh, Song Girl and is it Murphy Murphy? And, yep. and you've got those out there. So um, I wanted to ask you one of the, one of the questions was, um, did you feel, did you, did you just kind of start writing and then that transition from being an on-air producer to a writer uh, was that a big transition for you or is it just something that came natural to you? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I thought about that. Um, I've thought about that over the years and, you know, the conclusion I've come to is that as I look back on my, on my life and my career, um, you know, I, I started out, I was, a I was, when I went to college at Lewis and Clark for the first 18 months, sure. you know, I was, I, I was going to be a creative writing major. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I left Lewis and Clark and went back to the university of Nevada, Reno, they didn't have that. And I transitioned into it. I was a journalist. I was a journalism major. Sure. So I, I was, I was thinking about or writing 
you know, even back then. And then when I got my job in sports television, a lot of what I did was writing, um, writing scripts, writing features, writing, uh, you know, the little 30 second bumpers to take you in and out of commercial sure. about interesting things around town. I would write the features, some of the features that, uh, you know, that the, the aforementioned folks like, you know, Rich Lerner and Jimmy Roberts would, I mean, those guys wrote their own stuff, but right. you know, other announcers would, you know, we'd put together a minute and a half feature on Ryan Hightala or, you know, Charles Warren. And, and we'd, uh, you know, I'd write that. I would write all the teases, which were the, the 30 seconds to a minute that got us on the air. So when I thought about writing books, I thought, well, geez, I've been writing my entire life. So sure, it's different writing a 30 second bumper about the Field of Dreams baseball field than it is writing a 300 page novel right. or 300 page mystery. But the mechanics are the same. Right. So it was just a question of whether or not I could expand my horizons and say, you know, take that whatever creativity that I have, you know, nestled in my my small brain and turn it into, you know, a story that that makes sense and captivates readers over the course of, you know, 300 pages. So sure. um, I think it was it was it, when I first thought about doing it, I wasn't sure that I could write a, a book. But once I did, I looked back and thought, you know, yeah, it was probably pretty much a natural, you know, kind of a natural progression of what I had been doing my entire career. Did, um, did the, well, let me ask you this, because Jay wrote this question and he said, if big files hadn't been so well received in literary <laughs> circles, would you have continued to pursue writing books? Oh man, gosh, you know, to, to go back and, and, uh, and, and answer that question in real time would have been, you know, one I think I probably would have struggled with. I think the answer, I think the answer would be yes. Yeah. I would have probably written more. Um, I think that my, my wife's answer might've been, you can go ahead and write it, but I'm not gonna, we're not gonna, as a family, put up the funds that it's going to cost to get it, you know, yeah. to, to, to get it published in the way that we, that it costs, you know, because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't cheap to publish Cover Me Boys I'm Going In or Big Flies. And, you know, as we as we moved on to the next next book, um, you know, it was really kind of a question mark as to whether or not uh, we wanted to, you know, put that financial stake in the ground again. Right. Um, but the fact that, you know, I had won awards, um, you know, for the for the first novel certainly helped. So um, I, I'm, I'm guessing that I probably would have written the flower girl murder and I probably would have self-published the flower girl murder, but it wouldn't have looked the same or um, I wouldn't have put the same kind of muscle behind it in terms of, of, you know, the, the editing, you know, editing and, and, uh, and, and, pub yeah. and publicizing. Yeah. It's expensive and it's time consuming. Yeah. I, I can tell you that um, we got about 20 seconds left here, Keith, and then we're going to go into after hours. So we'll get all the okay. rest of these questions covered in after hours. <laughs> Okay. Do, you, do you think uh, golf in itself and then golf television is in a good spot right now? I do. I really do. Uh, Keith Hirschland, formerly of Golf Channel and ESPN, and now well-published, well-read, and award-winning author. Thanks for being here. Keith is going to stick around for After Hours, folks. Uh, but this is the second time we've had Keith on the show, and I can tell you there will be more going down the road. I, I can say that, and I appreciate your I time. I look forward to it. Yes. 
We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. So everybody go out there, play a little golf, and uh, be kind to someone. Take care, everybody. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.